I am Sumit Gupta and this is Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams at work and life. This is a podcast for people who know deep inside that there is more. Have you achieved a great deal of success, but on the inside you still feel empty and like an imposter? Do other people see you as a strong leader and you wonder why it still feels so lonely and suffocating? The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. I dare to speak to the tremendous power which you already have rather than what you believe are your strengths and limitations. This podcast is called Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. And this is the Leadership Journey series. I am interviewing leaders with an interesting story to learn how they got where they are today. We all have a lot to learn from each other's stories of where we started, where we are now and our successes and struggles on the way. With this series of interviews, my attempt is to give leaders an opportunity to share their stories and for all of us to learn from their generous sharing. Gaston Koffer Barbe is an award-winning marketing professional with more than 13 years of working experience. Currently, he is the CEO at Token Insights, a digital marketing agency that specializes in developing bespoke internet marketing services for organizations here in Europe and also in America. In this interview with me, Gaston shares about growing up in a family of entrepreneurs in Argentina and how that led him to start his own company, but this time in the Netherlands. He talks about not being afraid of making mistakes and the importance of listening in his work. He also shares what he has learned and how he has learned to delegate as a leader, which has led to actually lowering the burden which he has faced as a founder and a CEO on his shoulders. Welcome, Gaston, on the Choosing Leadership podcast. It's good to have you here. Thank you very much, Sumit. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So, so to, to begin with, can you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, Gaston Koffer Barbea. I am the CEO of Tukan Insights. We are a digital marketing agency based in Amsterdam. We've been around for more than four years now. And I was brought out in Buenos Aires, in Argentina, after a couple of years there where I studied and work and moved to the UK. I studied in London, I did an MBA there. And with a group of colleagues, we decided to start the agency. And that's when I moved to the, to the Netherlands. So, so you have been in the Netherlands for four years? Yes. And, and when did you move out of, of Buenos Aires? So I moved out in 2016. I went straight to, to London and there I lived until 2018. And in April, yeah, 2018, exactly four years now. Yeah. Can you share a little bit more about uh, like growing up in uh, in Buenos Aires and then moving to London and then to to like Netherlands and then being a, becoming an entrepreneur here? So how does that uh, happen? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There is an extremely vibrant city. I come from a family of entrepreneurs, so uh, I always have this heritage, like listening to my father and my grandfather, all the things that they started or they that they decide to take the risk and do things, even though it wasn't like the common path or, or, or it entails aspects in terms of personality that, that were very special and needed to, to take that, that risk. So that's mainly the, the, the main thing that I think I, I, I inherited from, from them from a family perspective. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, growing up in, in, in Buenos Aires was extremely nice. My, my family is completely like the stereotype. I have two siblings. 
mother, father, friends, sports. And I, I started having this idea of starting my, my, my own business, finding the right people since my, my early days as a student. I always struggled with finding the right people and finding the right colleagues with whom I was comfortable enough to start the business. And I definitely found them when I was living in the UK many years later. But yeah, definitely Buenos Aires gave me, definitely, to put it in a simple way, it basically planted the seed in me to put me in a specific course of of action. Yeah, and you would credit mostly that that spirit or drive that drive from your like family, from your parents and grandparents. Definitely, definitely. So from yeah. my 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 father and my the family from my father and and the one of my mother, both families had started businesses like decades ago. And yeah, the, the early days, it's, it's a fantastic story in itself. Like deciding to produce in one state, then import all the production. Uh, and the raw materials to, to, to the capital to produce the, the final products on my father's side, they were mainly dedicated to the medical business and, and, and the real estate business. So starting from scratch there and like identifying opportunities in the market. This is mm -hmm. the main thing that, that I could highlight that I have inherited the, the fun of identifying things in the market to, to develop and, and eventually provide better solutions. I got it from that side of my family. Yeah. So I, I do work with many entrepreneurs and leaders. So I, I know that uh, the journey of entrepreneurship has its highs as well as lows. So if you were to remember from your life, what were some of those highs and lows which have shaped you into the person that you are today? Highs and lows. Highs, my career, I think that definitely the, the, all the learnings that I have been taught by one of my former bosses amongst the companies that I worked before deciding to start the agency. Mm -hmm. One was uh, Avon Cosmetics. So m my boss there, Sebastian, he was straightforward, simple. He was very, very kind in sharing his learnings. And definitely that, that experience there at, at, at Avon put me in the path to basically start learning. Don't be uh, afraid of committing mistakes. Uh, take decisions, which as, a, as an early employee, it's very complicated. So taking responsibilities and managing projects was something that, that he gave me and I will basically always be thankful for that. That is definitely the high peak and the, the, the low one. Well, sometimes as an entrepreneur, things don't go as expected. So you feel like you're like a, this sort of a crash down, crashing a car constantly until you realize what you have to do and you are able to turn the wheel, put the car in the right direction, basically doing the things that, that the market needs, that you identify what are your strengths and then you're able to offer that. Yeah. And, and I assume that it's not just, uh, it's not just like the country, which is different now, now you're here, but it's also the, the culture and the social fabric is also very different from like the kind of entrepreneurs, partnership you have seen as you have grown up. So how does that play a role right now? So even though you're doing something which you have seen your parents and your family, but even then Europe and Netherlands is, is like a very different country, very different language, very different culture. So how does those factors play a role into your like your current challenges? To be honest, I'm a big fan of uh, Argentinian entrepreneurs starting the businesses in Argentina. That's I bow to them. It's a bit, and and the main difference is that the the conditions to start a, a business in Argentina are extremely difficult. So you don't have that much of help in investors in terms of mainly the role of the state mm -hmm. and and the support that you have from the state to uh, entrepreneurs here in the Netherlands. 
it's, I don't want to say easy, but if you want to do it, you can really do it. And, and there's a very easy to follow process. So the, the rules and, and the law is extremely clear. Everything works perfectly well. So you don't have any nightmares, any unexpected consequences or why it's in Argentina is unfortunately it's completely the opposite. So the situation there is, it, it's complicated. You have to take lots of risks and which, which eventually ends up like killing lots of contacts. So that's mainly the, the, the main difference that I see mm. when I have to confront both countries. Yeah. And, and that's a positive difference, right? Is there anything which you have found challenging about, about like living and working in the Netherlands compared to where you have spent most of your like early days? Yeah, that's a very good question. So the main difference, so I'm from Latin America, uh, Latin American people, basically we are like culturally speaking, we, we are more or less the same. And from that perspective, Dutch people and, and the way business are conducted here in the Netherlands are completely opposite. Just as a common example, if you have to for example, Dutch people here, when they say no to something or that they don't want something, that's not considered to be rude. On the contrary, that's like the way to be. So if I disagree with you, I will tell it to you at your face. I, I think you're, you're wrong because of this and that. And it's normal. That's the way it should be. Whereas in, in, in Argentina, you always try to basically it's like slow dancing with your sister. So it's this weird situation in which you don't really agree with the person, but you don't want to say that you disagree. So you end up in this gray, strange area in which no one really understands what's going on. So it's much more complicated and, and feelings and emotions are, are always at risk. Mm -hmm. in Latin. So how do you manage or how do you, how have you adapted to it's, it? If you think about it, it's way, way easier here. So you just say no, you just say yes, yeah. no one gets offended. It's okay. Yes. Why? No. Why? We are all friends. Everything mm -hmm. remains the same. And it's, and, and the same sort of rationale applies to the way the whole country works. So uh, everything is simple. Yes. No. Why? Perfect. Let's continue. So there are no, no bottlenecks, no, no, uh, second thoughts, no assumptions in what you really wanted to tell me. It's, it's, it's very simple. Yeah. And given the kind of company that you have, so how did you land there? How did you decide this is what I want to do? What is the drive behind behind that? Yeah, I've been working in marketing for more than 13 years now. And apart from Avon, I also work for uh, Coca-Cola for a hotel in Buenos Aires. And during that experience, before traveling to the UK, I always heard this idea that probably suppliers weren't providing the type of insights that companies were needing. So there was like a, at some point, some sort of mismatch between the insights provided by suppliers, by companies, and the ones that the companies were really needing. So on the one hand, before I started Tukan, what we did was like a thorough marketing research in which we interview not only managers from companies, but also researchers who we really wanted to, mm. to understand and to find what's needed in the market and what were the researchers not providing. And the main aspects were exactly this. So there was a mismatch. Companies on the side of the researchers, companies were not very clear on what they wanted. And that is why they were not entirely happy with the results that they were receiving. And on the side of the companies, they were like, basically, mm. all the researchers are the same. It is worth saying that Tukan Insights started as a marketing research agency. And with time, we evolved into the digital atmosphere. And, and that is where we have been for the last couple of years, but the research was mainly about marketing research and that was the, the mismatch. So we were listening. They don't understand us. We are providing what they want. 
but they eventually are not entirely happy. So they were not clear. The brief wasn't clear enough. So they input all of these kind of situations. And based on that, is that we decided to, to start the, the agency to fill in that gap. Yep. Yeah. And what is it that, that really sparks your passion? I'm extremely passionate about this aspect that I was mentioning before. So identifying gaps in the market, identifying in what way companies can provide a better service, serve the customers a better way, promote the, the, themselves in a much more efficient way and all the aspects that are related to sort of the behavior, so consumer behavior and, and, and the, and basically the actions that you need to take in order to communicate that I'm extremely passionate about that because it's about people and, and, and understanding people. It's something that I find extremely, extremely interesting differences in cultures, in countries. There are also lots of similarity things as common as the way in which we perceive colors. It's absolutely fascinating. And assumptions are something that, that we see every day. So we tend to assume that what we think is what everyone thinks. So this is like something that on this side, on the marketing side, it, I found it extremely fascinating to, to see how people, even now today, they think that. So my passion definitely is, is that. Yeah. So it's, it's also very people oriented or very like uh, focused on listening to, to what people are perceiving, how they are assessing a product or like a marketing product. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. Because that's uh, very unique, I think. And that's a very unique approach and also yep. very, very deep approach. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the way in which we, and I think that is thanks to the fact that we started as a marketing research agency is that we, even though now we, we, we are focusing on digital, so we bring all that research into the digital platform. We always start our project with a marketing research in order to eliminate and avoid uh, these common mistakes that are strongly rooted in assumptions. But yeah, basically the approach starts with, with a thorough research. So mm. even though we are going to implement all the strategies on digital, we really need yeah. to understand the market and, and how they behave, what they want, mm. um, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And given that you're doing business in a country where you have not grown up, is there something that people misunderstand about you? I think that there are a couple of things. The fact that I've already looked Dutch, but I don't speak Dutch, that's probably one of the things. In terms of the way in which we develop the business, I think that probably not understanding, it's something that I point out. There, There is, again, an, an assumption in terms of the fact that it has happened that probably they, they think that we don't really understand mm. the Dutch, the Dutch market, the Dutch, the Dutch consumers, because who, like in this case, myself, I'm, I know Dutch. So there is this, uh, okay, if you are not Dutch, then you really don't understand Dutch. And from a, from a marketing research perspective, that's actually, and, and it has been, there are studies of these and, and researches that, that prove that. The fact that you are not from that place, it provides you like an advantage because you are not biased. So your analysis is completely mm. honest. So you are not basically coming with responses or, or courses of action that have probably shaped your life. Mm. So it's like more uh, transparent feedback, if you want to put it. And how do you deal with those trust issues, especially if somebody doesn't trust you because of your past, which you can't do nothing about. So how do you deal with that, especially when you're building relationships, uh, working with clients and so on? Yeah, the fact that we have worked with clients um, from the Netherlands, from France, from the UK, from the US, from Canada, Mexico, and the list goes on and on. 
Dutch people tend to see that as a sort of a validation. Okay, I know that I will <clears throat> never change the first impression. Yes, basically it's yes. I, I, I'm not Dutch, even though I've been here for for, for years and I like I live here. I, I know extremely well the Dutch culture. I am not Dutch, and that it's the first impression, which is negative from a work-related perspective. Or the works and the and the companies that we've been working for during the past years mm. that provides the validation and the credibility that they need to okay probably put down their shields in a certain way and start listening. Okay, what you need is this. What we are going to do, we will start with this process and then with this result, we're going to continue doing this. So it's a basically explaining processes and the rationale that we apply on each one of them. And, and in that sense, Dutch people are extremely intelligent, but they also like process. So mm. what are you going to do and how? Explain in detail. And that is what we, what we do. What I like about what you shared is that right, you follow the same focus on listening and really understanding the Dutch culture. And then when those trust issues arise, you also tailor your communication to suit what people are expecting or what like exactly their questions or doubts are about you. Yep, yeah, exactly. It's uh, and, and in particular in this field, as you were saying, listening is absolutely key to not only really understand what they want to see, and, but also to identify what are the uh, fears that they have. What are they really looking when they decide to, in this case, to, to contact us? And in many cases, I, they probably, they, they start telling us like bad past experience. Oh, like, I, like my previous agency did this and that, and now I have this problem. Or well, we are to some extent, and at, at least I felt it like that. We are some psychologists in some way. So the fact, as you were saying, listening and explaining in detail, it's something that in my experience, customers really need and they are really looking for. Okay. Even though they probably don't understand much about it, but that we are providing that, it gives them like the, the, the peace of mind that they can follow the process. I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and I often say that leadership uh, starts with listening. And uh, because almost everything which a leader does is around conversations, is around speaking. And a lot of people tend to focus on speaking, whereas listening is where like uh, where the, the real deal is happening. And as you said, it's uh, when done well, it's transparent. It's, it's not like the visible, but it's uh, especially as a leader, if you put your attention on the listening, then uh, you can change uh, uh, the quality of a converse, conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's, yeah. that's you. Very well uh, was saying, if you really listen to what they have to say, you can really identify way more things. Mm. There's an extremely broad range of aspects that talk in the conversation, but they are there and they need to be uh, addressed. And and that's the main difference, as you were saying, like between a leader or, or someone that just is like addressing needs. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah, because I, I highlighted that because that's not trivial. That's not, that's, it looks simple, but it's not uh, trivial. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. yeah. What else uh, inspires you? What else do you do outside of the work, the company? I'm always, and it's going to sound fun, but I'm, I'm always like paying attention and, and I'm always learning. So I, I learn from the people that, of course, work with me. I learn from different colleagues that share the, their thoughts. I learn and pay attention to my niece and nephews. Younger generation are like extremely smart and, and the way in which uh, I grew up, it's completely different. So now I have like my, my, my nephew, like six years old, like extremely smart, extremely like uh, uh, communicating in ways 
and so many resources at the same time without basically having a mental breakdown and, and also at the same time listening and, uh, of course, very uh, experienced people, but they come from a completely different generation. So like listening and learning from everyone, it's something that I always, uh, that I was put in practice and that I'm also very passionate about. Apart from that, I think that sharing own views and discussing different topics is also something that feeds our brain with different thoughts and with different ideas and mainly perspectives on how things are perceived, which is something that I always use as, uh, to work as, as we were just saying, mm. the fact that we are working with companies in so many different countries that examples as simple as the appreciation of, of colors. If you translate that into, okay, go deeper and, and really understand consumer behavior, like how it differs in the U S then, 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 and you compare that to Chile or to Argentina. Now bring that into the Netherlands and okay, understand that in that sense, I think that discussing different topics and seeing how people view different things, even though they are not related to, to the specific field, to the industry, it's, uh, extremely interesting. It really broaden your mind. It, it, it yeah. makes you like expand your horizons in that sense. Thank you. Yeah. How, how do you manage all the pressure or overwhelm sometimes, which, which is, which is a natural part of starting a company and growing a company. And especially given the last few years, which have been turbulent to say the least for most entrepreneurs. Yeah. At the beginning, it was like, it was like a extremely heavy backpack that I was carrying with the guys. And we were basically like sitting down, working lots of hours, trying to meet the deadlines in, in the fastest possible way. With time, I have learned that <clears throat> we have grown the team. So I realized delegating in a smart way is extremely key to, to grow. Mm. It provides confidence to the rest of the team, to the, to, to the younger team members. It boosts their confidence. It makes them feel responsible and accountable for what they are doing. So from a very early stage, what I do is basically assign product. So you are responsible for this. Of course, we monitor and, and I monitor every single aspect of it, but I let them do. And I think that has basically lightened my backpack in a, in a massive way, basically. Yeah. And can you share a little bit more about the smart way? That's how, what else do you do? So you said you, you give people autonomy. Yeah. But w what else is there in the smart way of delegating? The other main aspect is, I, I'm not sure if it's very smart, but it's like being organized. So we know at this point, we, we really know how much time it's going to take specific tasks. We, we know how much time we have to allocate. So basically by, by measuring every single task that we are developing by having people accountable and responsible for each task. It's a process it's, it's managing lots of and administering lots of watches at the same time. But yeah. once you know how to calibrate them, then it's a process. Yeah. So yeah. So focusing on, on the numbers and also the exact steps and then measuring that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. How much time is going to, going to take in terms of the aspect that I was mentioning about the organization, like having meetings, I try to keep them short and, and, and to the point, okay, is, is there any issue this project is facing? Do you want to share a, a doubt? Has the client complained about something? Is this, is, uh -huh. I mean, are we close to a deadline and we really need to review something? Mainly, mainly that is the aspect that I was measuring about the organization mm. and responsibility. Yeah. 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 So, so if I take a step back and zoom out into the future, where are you headed and where do you see your company moving? And then what are the biggest challenges that in terms of 
the future and growing the company. The goal that we are, we are chasing now is, is expanding the team. We want, and, 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 and I think that, that we really can achieve that goal. So we have a goal, but set to the end of the year. And in that sense, not only expanding the team, but expanding the market. We are focusing on, on four main markets, which are Spain, the UK, and the US, Benelux, and uh, Dubai, the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So we are developing lots of actions that are either being launched or will be launched soon, and that we we expect to to make us achieve our goal by the end of the year. And we plan to do it with the, the team that we currently have, basically ex- expand it, but we have this, this sort of cascade of, of knowledge and responsibility and slowly growing within a team with the support, with the tools, with the resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's more organically, and that is our goal for now. Then that is how we, we plan to, to achieve it. We have, of course, people from all those uh, nationalities that really know the culture and we have been developing projects there. I really feel that we are on the, on the good track there. Yeah. Yeah. And what are some of the challenges that you see here? Maybe not in a one year time frame, but in a longer three to five year time frame. What, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see either for yourself personally or for the company as a whole? Yeah, definitely. There are probably two main challenges that I, uh, that I see. One is the ever changing nature of the industry that of course forces us to, to constantly adapt. So it's definitely an industry in which you cannot relax. It's not like probably more traditional industries, which is also good. And the second one, and it's strongly linked to that, to, to the first one, is that from a different perspective, so if I put on the shoes of potential customers, for them, it's very difficult to see when they are speaking with a company that they can't really trust and that they will provide like a good service or when they are like speaking with someone that probably is not that well-versed to put it in a way. So basically I'm always trying to think, okay, how can we really make a difference even though we are explaining who we are, experience, academic experience, participation in events, collaboration with magazines, customers we have worked with, results. I still have this sensation that is really, there's something else that needs to be provided or like communicated in a better way to close that cycle in a much more natural and easier way. Sometimes sales cycle tend to be very long and that is something that, that I'm still like focusing on and thinking of, okay, how can we speed up this process? Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I think the first uh, challenge, I think almost everybody is facing this, so this because the speed of change has increased and then there is a lot of uncertainty. Almost everybody has to continuously learn and adapt. So that is something uh, where I think you, you talked earlier about learning from everywhere. And I think that's a very good attitude to to take, especially given what we have seen with COVID and then people going hybrid, people going remote. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and all the effects, probably situations that we have never thought could, could happen or, or never thought that it would affect us. Suddenly you're experiencing it and you need to basically serve the way in the best possible way that you can. I think that's exactly what you were saying. So listening, being alert on what's going on, even though in different fields, from more experienced people for younger generation, how they see what's going on and really identifying all, all those aspects is absolutely key towards, to a certain extent, anticipate the future and what will happen and how will people react to that. Yeah. And, and to wrap this uh, up, is there any advice you would get, give to any aspiring entrepreneur who has an idea but has not started something or somebody who has started but is struggling to like to get the same kind of progress that they have started with? Sure. So the 
I think that the best advice that I would uh, love to get, start small, focus on a niche, really understand the inside out of that niche, really understand what uh, your target is looking for, be extremely critical on, on the services on the, or on the pros that you're providing and basically put a lot of time and effort in order to perfect that offering and seduce that niche. So offer a really better product to them. And then slowly you will be able to expand and, and cater more target audiences, markets. Eventually you will start growing, but definitely start small. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Thank you for this very prudent advice. So for anybody who is listening and who would like to know more about you or, or the kind of work that you do, where can they reach out and find out more? I'm, I'm reachable like through, through the agency. So it's tukaninsights.com. They can find me on LinkedIn as well. I search my name. My name is Gaston Kaufer Barbe. And also on the website, we have the phone number, email address. If anyone wants to drop an email, the, the address is team at tucaninsights.com or my personal address. It's Gaston at tucaninsights.com. Thank you, Gaston, for sharing your time and also your precious insights and also your story, like how you have. Uh, travel across continents and then running a business. I know it's uh, it can be challenging. It can also be fun. So I, I want to wish you best in this journey going forward. And once again, on the behalf of everybody who is listening, thank you for your time and attention. Thank you very much, Sami. Yeah, my pleasure. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but also for those around you. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. I say what might be uncomfortable for me to say or for you to hear, to show you that all our dreams which have been on hold are within our grasp. If you like the sound of it, do not forget to leave a rating. I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter at deployyourself.com slash newsletter. You can also reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook to share any other comment or feedback. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time. Keep choosing leadership.